Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 191 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I'm joined by biology professor and researcher Dr. Sarah Lauer to review nature's very own glimmering fairy lights, fireflies. We talked about how to do the beetle dance, tips for packing a bioluminescent picnic, and the shockingly diabolical world of fireflies. There's friendly fire, catfishing, thievery, and snail shakes. So turn off your lights and enjoy the show as the night sky comes to life. Just the Zoo of Us presents Fireflies with Dr. Sarah Lauer. friends. This is Ellen Weatherford. I'm here with Just the Zoo of Us, your favorite animal review podcast. And this week, I am really excited to be bringing a glimmering, glistening, beautiful animal friend. I'm so excited to talk about this animal. But before we do, I'd like to say hi to our friend, Sarah Lauer. Say hi, Sarah. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for inviting me to be here today. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I'm really excited about this. Uh, before we get started, first of all, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she and her. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to talk about this little bug. I People maybe like have a little bit of hesitancy to get excited about bugs, but I feel like this is an extremely charismatic bug that people can get really excited about. You know what I mean? We call it the gateway insect. <laughs> oh, for sure. This is definitely one that is like, oh, but you like fireflies. So maybe they got an Owl City song and everything. There's like definitely some stepping stones. So that makes me curious, what got you into working with fireflies? So I've been working on fireflies for the past 13 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I first got into them when I was in graduate school. In my graduate program, we had something called rotations, where you spend six weeks in three different labs across the university. And in each of those labs, you do a little mini project and see which one you want to pick when you want to do graduate study. And one of my rotations was to read about fireflies. And I found it fascinating that this critter that we go out and, you know, we know and love from childhood, go out and catch mm -hmm. them, put them in a jar, you know, they're so familiar, but we know so little about them. And so I was just fascinated by the mystery and curious and just in total awe of all the really interesting uh, behaviors and adaptations they have. So that's what really got me interested. When you say that, like, we don't know very much about them, do you mean like the typical average everyday person me doesn't know very much about them? Or like, there are a lot of like, academic level mysteries surrounding them, like that there's not a lot of like science on them? Both. Oh, <laughs> so, for example, how do fireflies control their flashes? I was hoping you would tell me that. Yeah, we, we know parts of the story. We have some hypotheses about what might be going on. We know where in the firefly it occurs. So we know quite a bit about that. But we don't know, like, if this firefly has a certain pattern and this firefly has another certain pattern. How is that pattern generated and controlled? And, you know, is it genetically determined? Like, we don't know. We don't oh. know that. 
That is a big question, isn't it? Did you come into this with like a background in entomology? Like, were you coming at this from like having already studied bugs? No, my background, I grew up loving to watch animals. Same. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, for my undergraduate, I did two summers of research and an honors thesis. And my two summers of research were studying hummingbirds in the Caribbean. Wow. And my first day in the rainforest, my research mentor sat me down on the side of the trail with a lab notebook and said, you stay here, watch and see what happens and write it all down. <laughs> And so I sat there for like three or four hours and I watched these uh, hummingbirds come and go. They're territorial. And I got to, as I was watching, I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is kind of boring. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> oh, look, there's a spider. And then I started writing down my notes about the hummingbird behavior. And I got to notice patterns and I got to notice personalities. So I learned that these hummingbirds have to feed every 15 minutes because their metabolism is so fast that they just burn through sugar. So they're going through their territory feeding at flowers every 15 minutes, almost like on the dot. I learned where they like to perch and like look over their domain. Uh, I got to see, you know, there were some that were quite bold and sassy and other ones that were coming in for a quick drink and then zooming out again. So it was... It's a really, really lovely experience, and I really liked watching animals. So, so when I decided to go to grad school, I was really interested in animal behavior and evolution, and so I decided to go back and get a PhD in genetics and evolution. So evolutionary genetics is sort of my wheelhouse now. Nice. I feel like with hummingbirds, like they're living in fast forward, like operating on a completely like condensed time frame. They they are on a busy schedule. They do not have time for you. Yeah. And going from hummingbirds to fireflies, I feel like you've gone from like one whimsical fairy tale creature to another. Yeah, I also worked on I one of my rotations was on monarch butterflies You're kidding. in Hawaii. So that was an amazing experience as well. So maybe I am guilty of working on cute flying things. Um, I could I could definitely be guilty of that. You study the fairies of the real world. There we go. And nothing really like screams like that sort of like fairy like whimsical to me more than fireflies because when I think of like a summer night in the south I think of just like a grassy field dotted with these little blinking glimmers of light. Is that kind of the image you get too? Yeah. So I did my PhD at the University of Georgia. And so Firefly Country. The, that image of, of the South, um, I'd be out in the summer. It would be like over 100 degrees at 11 o'clock at night. And I'd be standing in the middle of a field or a forest and there'd be fireflies all around, all different species, blinking different patterns. And trying to figure out, okay, who is talking to who? What are they trying to say? <laughs> Which one do I need to grab to bring home to study? It's beautiful and awe-inspiring and also kind of chaotic at times. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, the only times I've ever seen fireflies. I live in Florida. I don't know if that's too far south for for fireflies. I don't see them very often, but I think maybe it's because I live in kind of like a, you know, more suburban sort of area. I'm not really spending a lot of time out in like rural areas at night. Um, so I guess I'm just not in the right place to see them very often. But boy, do you see them up in Georgia, like up in the mountains and the hills and stuff everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there are over... 
2,400 species of firefly distributed around the world. They're on every continent except for Antarctica, so they're definitely in Florida. <laughs> um, there are some that are like only in Florida and sort of that sort of area. Wow, that's cool. We have our own special one. Yeah, so so there are fireflies everywhere. <laughs> that that kind of brings me to because first of all, I'm surprised to hear you say that there's so many species of fireflies. I guess I just thought it was the one. <laughs> You know, the firefly. It's the one that there is. Where do they kind of like fall in the bug world? Like, where are they in the big happy bug family? It's a very good question. So we've been calling them fireflies. Um, another term you may have heard is lightning bug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fireflies are not flies. They are not bugs. They are beetles. And there's no fire inside them. So like... No. It's O for two on Firefly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very uh, it's a very inaccurate naming. Yeah. So so lightning bug, Firefly, they both mean the same thing, or they refer to the same thing in the U.S. And uh, they're actually beetles. So sort of like how a ladybug is actually a beetle, or a June yeah. bug is actually a beetle. Fireflies are actually beetles. And so what that means is insects have two pairs of wings, right? And so in beetles, one of those pairs of wings is modified to be very hard, like kind of like armory. And so, you know, on the ladybug, that's the the red part with the spots, right? The cute part. The cute, pretty part. <laughs> um, and so those are, are now these hard wing covers. They're called elytra. Um, and then they'll when they go to fly, they'll lift up those elytra. And underneath are the, the very uh, transparent wings with veins that they're using for flying. It reminds me of like a spaceship. How like a spaceship a lot of times will have like a hatch that it has to like open up and then the little like, I don't know engines or whatever come out or like the delorean right yeah <laughs> like the the doors the doors that slide <laughs> yeah. up <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what beetles remind me of when they're flying through the air i'm like because they have to hold them up and like out of the way and it, it looks a little goofy sometimes they're super <laughs> awkward when i talk to groups with young children i we tend to do the dance so we do like the fly like a firefly and what does that look like <laughs> yeah let me see if i can describe this perhaps we're in the wrong medium um so you raise your arms up your elytra up behind you and you kind of stick your neck out and then you flutter your flutter your flight wings and go as fast as you can <laughs> in one direction I am, i'm sensing the next viral tiktok dance this is going to be hitting your For You page soon. One can hope. <laughs> Fly to the Beetle. There you go. <laughs> it can look kind of silly, but, you know, since it's it's a beetle and it has this sort of like, I know it's not fire, but it's got something spicy going on in its sort of rear end area. It kind of reminds me of the Bombardier Beetle. Ooh. Are they anywhere close to those? Because, like, I know they've got some chemicals going on back there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So... Beetles are one of the most diverse organismal groups on the planet. When you when you <laughs> said they're a beetle, I was like, I feel like when you name a species of animal, if you say it's a beetle, you're probably right. Like, yeah, <laughs> statistically, it's probably going to be a beetle. <laughs> Beetles go back hundreds of millions of years. Long um, before us. Yes. Look to your right. Look to your left. If none of them is a beetle, you're the beetle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we think fireflies are also quite old as well. That's comforting to know that there were like dinosaurs and stuff. Dinosaurs and fireflies. fireflies hanging out together. 
Oh, that's such a pretty scene to me in my head. Just like a nice little dinosaur looking out over a field of fireflies. Oh my gosh, that's so blissful. <laughs> Need some fan art here, right? Oh my gosh, immediately, please. Because whenever the, the dinosaurs are always in like a very panicky sort of apocalyptic scene, right? They're always watching the comet that's about to come and wipe them out. Let them watch a field of fireflies. Like, give them a moment. Be quite calming. Very zen. <laughs> yeah. I do want to get into our ratings for Fireflies, which if this is your first time listening to this podcast ever, what we do is we review animals by rating them out of 10 in different categories. The first one is effectiveness. So this is adaptations or mechanisms the animal has built into their body that let them do the things they're trying to do. So whether it is how they get their food or how they don't become food themselves or anything that is kind of like built into them that lets them like tools they have in their belt that lets them solve problems. What do you give fireflies out of 10 for effectiveness? I give fireflies definitely a 10. For sure. For sure. I mean, the, the theatrics alone, like the drama of it all, there has to be something going on there. Yeah. So when you think of fireflies, you think probably of glowing and flashing at night, right? Yeah. Um, this bioluminescence. So this is a light that the firefly produces um, from a special tissue uh, on its abdomen that we will call a lantern or a light organ as firefly scientists. I do like lantern. lantern. That's very, that's cute. This tissue is organized in an amazing way that the ingredients of the light reaction are an enzyme called luciferase and a substrate, so the thing that it acts on, called luciferin. Um, and when they interact together with magnesium and oxygen and a very little bit of energy you get this photon of light. And mm. this reaction takes place in very specialized cells called photocytes. And even within those cells that are in the lantern, there are uh, special little pockets, little areas called organelles, called peroxisomes. And that's where all the ingredients are, uh, where luciferase and luciferin are. And they're just kind of hanging out, waiting for some oxygen to help them activate and release this photon of light. Anyway, they have these, these amazing specialized tissues that keep all the ingredients um, where they need to be in order to generate this light. It's like when you're packing for a picnic and you don't want to just put your whole sandwich together because then it's going to get soggy before you eat it. So you pack all the ingredients in Ziploc bags. Don't put the salad dressing on the salad until the very last minute. Exactly. So they have a little bento box <laughs> in their cells that's keeping everything separated until you're ready to have your picnic. Yeah. We, what we think is happening is that the oxygen is being separated from all everything mm. else. And so it's the regulation of oxygen into the bento box that is <laughs> regulating whether they're on or they're off. Oh, so the, so the oxygen would be the, the little match that sets them off. Yeah. Boy, luciferase is a pretty intense name for that, isn't it? <laughs> it definitely is. A lot of things in the firefly world start with Lucy or involve lucifer in some sort of form. In terms of other adaptations that they have, this bioluminescence is used as a mating signal. So each species has its own pattern that it uses to find and choose mates. The flashes that we see when we're like sitting out on our porch those are generally males that are emitting a species-specific pattern as they are searching mm. for females. 
And so what happens is a female will sort of be down on a leaf or on a blade of grass, um, and she'll be watching these displays. And when she sees the first flash, uh, she'll see the second flash. She'll cue in on the interval between the flashes. Oh, wow. And if she likes that interval, she will reply with a flash of her own after a species-specific delay. And that's how the male knows that that's the right female, (laughs) that there's a specific delay between his flash and her flash. Um, And so then if he likes what he sees, he'll start flashing at her again. She'll flash back. They'll go back and forth in what we call a flash dialogue. So they're talking to each other. A flash dialogue. That's Mm kind of cool. It's almost like they're like transmitting their Tinder bio in Morse code. Like just sending (laughs) out just like so they also and and this might be why one of my research students disagreed with me uh i i gave them a 10 for this bioluminescence but my student gave them a two harsh but okay let's hear them out (laughs) Uh, light is uh used as this mating signal and it's been shown that female fireflies like a lot of light like bigger longer flashes, brighter, you know, just bring it on. They really, they prefer those. Love it. Excellent. They, they like the, Don't settle for less. No, they like, <laughs> they like the flashy ones, pun intended. But it, <laughs> it turns out uh, predators also are attracted to light. And that's how you can know where a firefly is, right? You see the flasher, like, all right, nice morsel for me to eat. Yeah, I was actually for sure thinking of like, they must be doing some sort of evolutionary math here. That's like the value of the mating signal is worth the like huge stealth nerf to use like gaming terms. Um, they're basically like they have no sneak option whatsoever, but like that, that must be worth it, I guess. Is that what's happening? Yeah. So it seems like there is this trade off between being beautiful and attractive <laughs> and getting eaten. And so you have the evolution of different patterns where they're going on and off. You might even have, in some cases, the loss of adult light. So in some firefly species, they do not light up as adults. They actually come out during the day. And we think uh, that they are using chemicals to communicate. So pheromones, or you can think of it as perfume, where the females are emitting these plumes of pheromone into the air and males follow that plume to find the female. And so that's why my research student gave them a two because light is, yes, bright and beautiful, but it also makes you get eaten or allows you to be eaten. Right. Yeah. It kind of, it's it's literally a giant homing beacon that's yes. like, hey, I'm right here. <laughs> yes. And you know, some of that, there is a body of research that shows that actually Maybe light as a homing beacon is beneficial because fireflies, it turns out that some species are toxic. Mm. So they have this toxin called lucibufagin, uh, and they also taste super bad. I'm sorry, lucibufagin? Lucibufagin. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Someone was having a fun day when they named that. (laughs) Well, so this toxin is very similar to toxins that toads carry. And toad toxins are bufo toxins. Okay, I'm seeing the bufo part. And then, of course, you add the Lucy to the front part. Okay, so they were like, you know what, wouldn't it be funny? (laughs) There you go. So, yes, they have these toxins. And so maybe light is also what we call an aposomatic signal or a warning signal. It's like a, a neon sign saying, don't eat me. I taste bad. I'm going to mm. poison you. 
That's true, because I do see something that's lighting up and glowing, and my first thought is, that's not something I need to be eating. You wouldn't, like, crack open a glow stick and slurp out the insides, because you're like, I don't know what's going on in there, but it seems chemically. Red, red flag, right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we think that, that in the larval stage, so fireflies don't just light up when they're adults. Fireflies light up um, in the larval stage. They have two paired lanterns on their underside. And we think that in the larval stage, light functions as this warning signal saying, all right, you don't want to mess with this. It would work on me. Is that what a glowworm is? Are glowworms a different thing? So glowworm, the, the term glowworm can refer to females of specific firefly species. There's also a whole family of beetles that are the glowworms. So they're Aww. related to fireflies, but they're not fireflies. And so it, the term glowworm is not exactly precise. So as long as you know what you're talking about, <laughs> is it a, a firefly female um, or is it a, an actual glowworm in this other beetle family, mm. uh, then you should be okay. I think what I was thinking of was maybe those little worms that live in caves, that like glow in caves. Uh, so those the ones that are in New Zealand that glow in caves and it looks like starry, starry night. Um, yes, on the top it's of the beautiful. Cave. Yes, it is amazing. Those are actually fly larvae. They're not beetles. Oh. <laughs> They're totally different. But they also glow. Yeah, so it turns out bioluminescence is not just found in fireflies, right? There's uh, bioluminescent flies. There's mm. bioluminescent mushrooms uh, and other fungi. There's bioluminescent fish, bioluminescent bacteria. Some estimates say that bioluminescence has evolved over 40 different times across the tree of life. And it missed me. It missed us. Right. What a shame. Right. We could have done it. It doesn't seem that hard, right? Mushrooms and bugs can do it. Why Why not me? Let me glow. You might get eaten. That's the problem. <laughs> but I'd be so pretty. There you go. So there's the trade-off. <laughs> I think I'll take it. Okay. So I did want to ask, what eats fireflies? Like, what do they have to worry about? So fireflies, uh, one of the primary predators of fireflies is other fireflies. So there really? is, yes, <laughs> most fireflies we think about as not really eating as adults in the adult stage. They live about two to four weeks and all they are doing is they are looking for love during that time, looking for a mate. It sounds like moths. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of moths do like this. Yep. But there's this one group of fireflies, a genus called Futuris, where the females once they have mated and fertilized eggs, they will mimic the flash pattern of a prey species. No. And so they will, the prey male will just be going along, doing his patrol flash, looking looking for a female of his own species, but the Faturus female will reply. And so he'll start dialoguing with her and get closer and closer and closer, and she'll lure him in, and it's not for mating at that point, it's so she can eat him. It was a trap. She did an espionage and she learned the secret password. They got hacked. <laughs> got hacked. Um, yeah, so she's sort of eavesdropping on these conversations with males and females and using them to her own advantage. Do you know what you could call that when a firefly eats another firefly? Friendly fire. Oh, man. It's not that friendly. It's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> not friendly. Yeah, no, friendly fire. Yeah. So we think that they're doing this 
not just to gain nutrition, so you get a lot of nutrients from this this prey that you eat, but this particular group of fireflies has lost the ability to produce the toxin themselves, and so they're oh. actually gaining the toxin from the prey. They're able to stick that into their eggs to protect their eggs and their <gasps> offspring. Oh, my gosh. So they've earned this nickname, uh, Femme Fatales. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. They're Firefly Femme Fatales. Firefly Femme Fatale is like probably the most powerful series of words <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Because <laughs> I'm so used to like hearing insects are always doing this diabolical, dastardly activities. But like I'm used to hearing that from things like wasps or like assassin bugs or like spiders like fireflies like i thought we were good like <laughs> i thought we were chill i didn't know fireflies were not chill like that <laughs> yeah they are definitely not chill so the other the other big predator of fireflies is spiders so if you're ever out and you see a flash that is sort of intermittent and it doesn't seem like the other ones it could be a firefly stuck in a spider web Oh, it's a distress signal. Yeah. Um, no. And sometimes, if you're a very hungry femme fatale, you will practice something called kleptoparasitism. Go get them. <laughs> Go get your bag, girl. Yeah, you, you hang out by that spider web nest. You see that firefly get stuck in there, and you go on out, and you do battle with the spider over this firefly so you can eat it girl boss behavior yes. i love her yeah <laughs> she's going out there she's getting it wow i remember being in a field up in massachusetts and there was a big spider web on some grass and there was one little firefly stuck in there kind of blinking and i saw this streak of light over the field and then it dropped straight down i was like what is that what just dropped out of the sky and why i thought maybe a, a firefly flew into a stick and fell down i don't Very know funny so i went over and i looked and it was a femme fatale who had just seen that firefly blinking in the web, dropped, and was booking it over to the web to try to steal this this firefly out of the web and eat it herself. The insect world is so high drama. There's backstabbing. There's flirtation. There's just, it's always, it's a soap opera going on down there. It's a tiny, tiny little soap opera. Yeah, there, there are even reports of, right, so the femme fatales, are now paying attention to prey males to try to lure the prey males in. But there's reports of then the males of the Faturis species pretending to be prey males so that they'll get the Faturis females to answer them instead of the prey male. Oh, no. And that's how they find their own female. So, We're in too deep. We've yeah. gone too many layers down. <laughs> it's, it's the inception of the decoy game, right? <laughs> it's the wolf in sheep's clothing trying to figure out what the other wolf in sheep's clothing is doing. <laughs> scammer gets scammed. Yeah, scammer know, like... gets scammed. <laughs> are are fireflies generally like predatory bugs? Like, do they eat other like little bugs? Well, generally, most species tend to only be really short lived as adults and and not eat. But in the larval stage, they are voracious, voracious predators. So really. Um, You'll, they like to eat worms and slugs and snails, soft-bodied invertebrates that sort of live in and on the soil. And so what they do is they'll actually track down a snail by that slime trail, jump on the snail, bite it, inject it with venom that paralyzes the snail. Then oh gosh. you know, exude their digestive juices. So you're digesting the snail outside of your body, and then they'll suck up that nice snail shake. Um, so they brutal. are brutal hunters. <laughs> they, they're very effective. 
So when we look out at a field of fireflies, we are seeing fairy lights, beautiful twinkling stars, gorgeous scenery. This is, it's giving whimsy. It's giving romance. Like it's, it's beautiful. We're like, oh, how blissful and serene. But like little bugs are looking out at this field of fireflies and they're seeing like the flames of war approaching. They're seeing like, like it's like in the beginning of Mulan where like you see the Huns coming over the mountains and you see all the little flames on the mountainside of them coming closer. They're like, oh no, (laughs) they're here. It's like dragons. They're seeing like dragons flying around. (laughs) Meanwhile, the spiders are going, ooh, I like dragons. Bring on the dragons for lunch. (laughs) A a larger dragon. (laughs) There you go. Hey there, friends. We're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of the other shows on the Maximum Fun Network. When we get back, we're rating ingenuity and aesthetics for fireflies. So stick around. The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair to beware, Danielle Radford. It really is great here. The Brit with a permit to hit, Lindsay Kell. The Queen is dead. Long live the Queen. And the fast-talking, fist-clocking Hal Uplin. See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for tights and fights. Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. No ring the bell. Hey, when you listen to podcasts, it really just comes down to whether or not you like the sound of everyone's voices. My voice is one of the sounds you'll hear on the podcast Dr. Game Show, and this is the voice of co-host and fearless leader Joe Firestone. This is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners, and we play them with callers over Zoom we've never spoken to in our lives. So that is basically the concept of the show. Pretty chill. So take it or leave it, bucko. And here's what some of the listeners have to say. It's funny, wholesome, and it never fails to make me smile. I just started listening and I'm already binging it. I haven't laughed this hard in ages. I wish I'd discovered it sooner. You can find Dr. Game Show on MaximumFun.org. So I had no idea that fireflies were living such a hardcore lifestyle. I feel like we've we've touched on some of these like really uh, ingenious things that they're doing already a little bit, but I do want to know what you give fireflies out of ten for ingenuity, which for us on this podcast is just behavioral things, things they're actually doing with their body to like thrive in their environment or solve problems that they face, things like that. Well. Think you can tell that based on what I've said, I'm giving them a 10 for ingenuity. <laughs> this is a lot happening here. Yeah. So there's the hunting as a larva, there's the femme fatale. We know that, you know, females like bigger and brighter flashes. Well, it turns out that, you know, sometimes if there's two males competing over a female, they'll do something called jamming, where one male will anticipate where the first male is going to flash at the female. And he'll steal a conversation. So he'll flash instead. <gasps> he'll flash just before that first male. And he'll steal her away. It's like when one guy makes a joke and like didn't quite say it loud enough. And the next guy just says the same joke but louder. And everybody laughs. And it's like, wow, you're so clever and funny. Yep. There are other firefly species where they're all gathered together in big, dense populations. And they'll all flash together. So they'll synchronize. Ooh. Yeah. Even though they're multiple, like, different species? One species. Oh, yeah, okay, one okay. species. They'll synchronize their flashes. 
I guess they'd have to be really good at tuning out anything that's not exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, they, they have to know what they're looking for. Um, and they've shown that in the species, say, in the Smoky Mountains, where they will synchronize based on sight lines. So the first one will start flashing. The second one will see the first one flashing and then sync up with it. So it'll actually, mm. the, the flash or the interval between flashes will actually shorten um, because it will anticipate when it needs to flash. And then they, they do a series of flashes of like six to seven flashes in a row and then a period of darkness. So over this period of six to seven flashes, they'll all sync up. And so you'll get the whole wow. forest kind of <gasps> blinking and then it will all go dark. And then it'll start blinking again. Start with one and then more join in and more join in. It's really beautiful. If I really didn't like understand fireflies that well and I saw that happening, I would for sure be like ghosts. That's ghosts. It's aliens. I don't know what it is. It's not of this earth. I know that. I, I remember walking down the trail um, in the Smoky Mountains one summer with them blinking all around me and thinking, this is what it's like to walk through Space Mountain. <laughs> It so is. I've been on Space Mountain like a billion times. It does kind of feel like that. (laughs) It kind of reminds me of like Stranger Things, like in the first season of Stranger Things, when like the the kid caught trapped in the upside down is like communicating with the blinking lights. And it kind of reminds me of that, how like the every all the lights were flickering. And I would be terrified if, if I saw that happen. I think I would pass out instantly. Yeah, it's a beautiful sight, but I recommend sitting down because I got a little bit disoriented (laughs) on the trail, walking through the trail. Oh, yeah. I guess if it's like messing with your rhythm, I guess that can really kind of like affect your balance. Uh, Have you ever been on one of those like state fair rides where like you walk through the tunnel and the lights are going around and it looks like the walkway is tilting sideways? Mm. It's like that. I mean, was that like difficult to, to be in? It was beautiful. <laughs> I just wanted to stop and have, you know, just be in awe of everything. So worth it, a little disorientation. Yeah. Another thing that fireflies will do that I think is pretty ingenious is they do something called thanatosis, which is a fancy word for saying playing dead. Oh. So if you ever, you know, you see your firefly on your blade of grass or whatever, and you go over and you try to catch it, you kind of have to do it the first time. Because as soon mm. as that piece of grass is moving, they just pick up all their legs and they drop off and they look like they're dead. Oh. (laughs) say, you know, nothing to see here. Oh, nope, just me, dead of other things. Totally dead, (laughs) not not interesting. I would think that for a creature with wings that can fly, I would think playing dead seems like a less viable escape option than flying, right? They will also fly away, definitely. And certain species seem to practice thanatosis more than others but the the two major strategies that i've seen yes fly away play dead one of the other adaptations i'm not sure if it's really ingenious because it's not exactly behavior but there are some firefly species well there's one firefly species called the winter firefly and you know i told you we think of adults living like two to four weeks in the larval stage most fireflies are like spending one to two years as a larva before they have their two-week mating session. The winter firefly uh, is in the U.S. and Canada and a little bit in Mexico. They come out in September, so when all the other fireflies are gone, or at least our larvae on the ground, come out in September as adults. They will overwinter on the sides of trees, so like in the cracks in the bark, and then they will then mate. They'll survive all the freezing temperatures, they're just on the side of the tree, and then they'll mate in the in the spring. So, like, 
right about now in Pennsylvania, they're just starting to mate. Oh, so they're kind of like on the reverse schedule of the other ones. the inverse firefly. But that's good because then that means you have year-round firefly activity. Like you're going to have like some in the summer, some in the winter. You're just, it's like they're constantly, you're not going to have like a, a lull in the winter. You're like, oh man, there's no fireflies out right now. So they are one of those species that has lost light as an adult. Ah, darn. They come out during the day. So you're not getting the <laughs> blinking displays from them. But I think they are fascinating. I mean, they most fireflies living two to four weeks. They're living 10 months as the in the adult stage. That's got, there's something really cool there. Because they're not getting eaten because they're not <laughs> broadcasting their position to everybody. Like, hey, every predator in this entire grassland, please come eat me immediately. <laughs> yes, that's, that's why my student gave them a score of two for effectiveness. <laughs> and since you mentioned that this is one of those ones that doesn't use light, and, and earlier you said that these ones that don't use light, you know, probably are relying more on like chemical signal. Is this something we would be able to smell? Like, do they smell weird? So let me answer this question separately. Uh, So (laughs) um, just this past year, uh, we published a paper, a a very collaborative study with folks at University of California, Riverside and Middlebury College. um, And we described the very first firefly pheromone. (gasps) And if you try to smell it, you cannot smell it. Ah, darn. So, So smell tends to be like super specific. Like you have to have the right receptors to be able to detect a smell. Fireflies do smell. Like if you grab one a little too hard, um, they might do something called reflex bleeding, where you'll see them ooze this white or clear liquid from pores that are around their their elytra. And that can have kind of like a grassy smell. It also tastes real awful. Remember those lucibufagens I talked about? (laughs) I can tell you from personal experience, (laughs) they do not taste good. What does it taste like? I'm sorry, I gotta ask what a firefly tastes like. <laughs> yeah, so I got some firefly reflex bleeding on me once because I was testing a bunch of fireflies and squeezing lots of fireflies a little too hard by accident. So I got some on my hands and I touched my face for some reason and got some on my lips and my lips went numb. Really? And I had this very sort of metallic taste in my mouth. So it was a little trippy for a while. <laughs> Wow. So it was having an actual sort of like chemical like effect on your lips. Yeah. Then. So the toxin is real. Do not eat fireflies. <laughs> Verified. Yes. Do not eat fireflies. <laughs> I have heard, don't do this. This is not a nice thing to do. But I have heard a common thing that like little kids will do when they catch fireflies, which I don't know if this was just my goblin family that are like ghouls doing ghoul activities uh that they would catch fireflies and like rub them on their skin so that they would like have a glowing like yes they would like paint their face or do little doodles on their arm or something with the firefly goo is that what that is yeah so that goo is those ingredients of the light reaction lighting up right oxygen they're exposed to oxygen they have the light organs been popped all those tissues are breaking down and so you're just smearing luciferase and luciferin all over yourself as Gross. well as probably other parts of firefly bodies don't do that that's also mean like don't do that that's not necessary <laughs> i had always wondered if that was just like something people said that they did that wasn't true so i'm, I'm glad to know that that is a real thing i've heard that from several people when I give talks different places that that was something that they did as kids and now they look back on it and go 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, probably wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> I have no room to talk. In an earlier episode, I described shooting a jellyfish out of a water bottle when I was a kid. So I guess I don't really have a lot of room to to criticize. I would like squeeze jellyfish into a water bottle and then squeeze the bottle and it would shoot them like out of the... They were little moon jellyfish. Yeah. Um, and I this is in the Tampa Bay area where there's lots of jellyfish and we would like squeeze them up into a bottle and then squeeze the bottle and we go Foom, like a little cannon. That does have a certain <laughs> amount of glorious like associated with it <laughs> like revenge except those ones don't bother you too much do no they? Yeah. i mean not really it was just we were just kids and kids are just like that i guess you want to know how things work you want to test physics you want to te- do some experiments with that's true uh, fluids <laughs> yeah so. kids for science yeah So the last category that we rate animals on, and I don't know how you want to approach this one for the firefly, but this is aesthetics. So just how nice is this animal to look at? So I don't know if you want to zoom out and look at like fireflies in their sort of aesthetic setting or like zoom in and like the actual animal itself. But however you want to do it, what do you give fireflies out of 10 for aesthetics? I'm so biased, but 10 out of 10. Zoomed out, they are amazing. They evoke such emotion in humans, right? And it's not just in the U.S., it's around the world. Fireflies are associated with all sorts of different cultures, and you know they've been featured in art and music and literature for centuries. So fireflies are, are beautiful. Their displays are absolutely gorgeous. Up close... It depends on what your aesthetic jam is, but I find them incredibly fascinating. So they're really hairy. Are they really? If if you look at them under a microscope, they are super hairy, like Chewbacca hairy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm pulling up photos of them right now. And I guess it, it may depend on what kind of species you're looking at, but but I can see some like macro photos and they do, they have like a fuzz on their like elytra. Yes, they are covered in hairs. So I think they're pretty cool. And when you zoom in on like the face, they tend to have the really big eyes and people really think that's cute sometimes. Um, this is unquestionably adorable. Like the pictures I'm looking at, every single one cute as a button. Yeah. They have those like huge round bubble eyes that like you want to see in like a bumblebee or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've actually shown um, there's some some literature showing that the night active species tend to have bigger eyes than day active species. Right. Oh. So they're active at night. They need to be able to uh, harness more light and to be able to see at night and so they have these really big eyes and in addition they also have to see the flashes of their females so they have these really big eyes as an adaptation there was this one firefly species that i discovered during my grad work it hasn't been named or described but i found it and i did the genetics of it and wow um, i like to call it the uni eye so this one it's got giant eyes and then the the mouth parts are barely existent. I'd be really surprised if it had a digestive tract as an adult. So it's Mm. instead of a unibrow, it's a uni eye. Is this kind of like a vestigial mouth part? Just haven't fully lost it? Yeah, it seemed like that was the most useless mouth part. (laughs) An afterthought. (laughs) Like being crowded out by eyeball. And the, the wings of them are actually really cute too. They have this sort of like streamlined like compact sort of look to them and like i love a good like high contrast they're like a black red yellow sort of look 
They're really pretty. There are some species that get more kind of flattened out mm. species, especially from like South America that have like more of a dinner plate look. Um, and those can get sort of almost tortoiseshell-y looking. Uh, there are some that have these really ornate plumose antenna that look like you stuck an ostrich feather on, on the head of a firefly. Two ostrich feathers, right? Cause I do like that. You need a lot of surface area to detect chemicals. So there, there are some out there that have these really ornate antenna. They can be really beautiful. There are some that are like bright pink. I'm going to be looking up pink firefly right now. Yeah. California pink glowworm. Wow. Oh, right? I think a lot of people would be repulsed by this because the pinkness of it is giving it a, a vaguely fleshy sort of look. Mm. And I don't think people would like to see a flesh-like appearance in like an arthropod body. Um, so I think if you're if you're bothered by that, maybe don't look this don't one up. Look. But I but I think it looks kind of cool. <laughs> I did want to ask you about your take, your opinion on the only firefly I can think of in pop culture, which is from The Princess and the Frog. Have you seen that movie? I have seen that movie. The firefly features in it heavily. He's like a main character. His name was Ray, right? I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. <laughs> I remember feeling slightly uncomfortable at the stereotypes of the South that he sort of portrays. It was a very like Cajun like caricature sort yeah. of character. But as far as accuracy with fireflies, I can't remember how accurate it was. Let me, I can look up a picture of him. At least nothing egregious enough for you to have remembered it this whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's not exactly proportional. and <laughs> That's true. He's uh, mostly, he's like 90% yeah. uh, booty. Maybe I'll go back and rewatch. His whole deal is that he has fallen in love with a star and that he is pining after the star, mistaking it for a firefly. Which is a very cute idea. Uh, I don't feel like we need to pick it apart too much scientifically because, like, it's just a cute thing. Is there much, like, interference between, like, star coverage and, and firefly activity? Uh, it's more an issue when there's a really full moon. Because mm. as you might imagine, if it's really bright out, then the lights don't show up as well. So I know of some species that when it's really, really bright out, they will only light up when they go under the tree cover. So, like, you'll be out in the forest, in, like, a pine forest, and you'll see the firefly light up in the shadow of a tree, and then it goes out into the open and it turns off, and then it turns back oh. on in the shadow of the next tree. Does light pollution affect them at all? Light pollution is a, likely a huge deal for fireflies, and this was just in the past uh, five years due to a lot of work done by Avalon Owens and Sarah Lewis. Uh, at Tufts University, among others, they've really been able to to look at, all right, how bad is this? And it turns out, especially for late active species, so ones that mm. come out once the sun is fully down and it's really dark out, that light pollution is quite bad for those. In the past five years or so, we've been able to get data from various firefly species and document these uh, range contractions, so document shrinking populations of fireflies. Uh, it's not all the species. Some species are just fine. 
they seem to actually really like places where people live as long as it's not too bright. So I'm thinking of like the common eastern firefly in cornfields. They seem to really like cornfields. It's free um, real estate. But then there are other species that are disappearing. Two years ago now, folks from the Xerces Society and the Fireflyers International Network were actually able to get IUCN red list statuses for most of the species in North America and Canada. Um, really? Yeah. That's tough to get for a bug, isn't it? I don't see a lot of those on the red list. Well, so there's the status part, which could be of least concern or threatened or endangered. Um, so, But they were able to, to develop assessments for most of the species in the U.S. and Canada, and they're working on adding in other parts of the world as well. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. I guess a, a thing you can do to be kinder to fireflies, if you'd like, is turn your lights off. Especially during firefly mating season. Like outside lights, even the lights coming out your window at night mm. into your yard. Just turn off. Enjoy the show. Yes. Let them shine. Let them be the spotlight. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Well, well, thank you so much for telling me all this cool stuff. I, I'm really excited. I feel like there was so much I didn't know for a, for a creature that is so like present in, in life around us. So before we wrap up for today, I'd love it if you could let people listening know, like, where can people follow along with your work? Or where can they find you if you if you would like to be found like on social media or anything like that? Or if there's projects you're working on or things you want people to know about as we're wrapping up today. So right now we are super excited about this first firefly pheromone and we're trying to look at other firefly species to see if they're also using pheromones and what are those pheromones and you know how did it come to be? How did how did this perfume use come to be? So that's what we're doing now. You can find updates on my webpage which is thelowerlab.wordpress.com. I'm on Twitter at S-E-S Lauer. And finally, if you want to get more involved with Firefly science or you want to up your game on your Firefly watching, there are several opportunities where we're really looking for help from everybody in gathering data about where fireflies occur, where and when they occur. Um, so there are three ways you can participate. One is with the Firefly Watch, which is run through Mass Audubon. They have a whole website on how you can go out in your yard, document your fireflies, put it into a database that we can then use to investigate things about you know, how does different habitat affect firefly abundance, that kind of thing. So Firefly Watch. There's also the iNaturalist platform. It's an app on your phone. You take a picture of the firefly that you saw. It uploads. Scientists look at this picture and tell you what species it is, hopefully. <laughs> I use it all the time. I love iNaturalist. It's amazing. Yep. So <laughs> iNaturalist. And then the new one, which is uh, more sort of North America specific, is Xerce Society has just started this firefly atlas. And this is specifically geared to help us get data on the species that we just didn't have any data for. And so on the IUCN red list, they're listed as data deficient, like we just don't know. Um, and so you can go onto their website. Candace Fallon is, is running that, and she's amazing. And yes, I, I definitely recommend choosing one of those ways to participate. Awesome. We would love your help. <laughs> And what better excuse to go out, maybe like get yourself a nice like glass of iced tea, go sit on the porch, look out and just watch some fireflies. Exactly. And like you can be having like the chillest evening with like the best vibes imaginable and being like, 
sorry, I'm doing science right now. Exactly. <laughs> sorry, guys. It's time for my science. I'm busy. <laughs> Don't interrupt me while I'm doing my science. And you're like sipping a sipping a cold iced tea on yeah. the back porch. Have a watch party if you really want to. You know, a firefly fun. watch party. But if you, okay, if you invite a, knowing like my sci-fi nerd friends if i were to invite a bunch of people over for a firefly watch party oh they would think it'd be (laughs) (laughs) and they get there and i'm like let's go look at bugs outside they're gonna be like you lied to me (laughs) we were at the firefly conference in 2015 in florida did you get some very confused attendance (laughs) oh no we got very confused uh, hotel guests they were like what's oh, going on no. we're like it's a firefly conference they were like where are the costumes they were like <laughs> wrong firefly <laughs> you could still cosplay a firefly if you wanted to totally could i would need to get way better at soldering my own costumes <laughs> there's room for improvement and then go to like an actual like sci-fi like the firefly show like yeah, dressed as that the firefly, firefly conference and be like i was confused i'm sorry <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, it's been so much fun to talk to you and learn all about fireflies today. I can't thank you enough. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you later. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time. Me too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved it and learned something new. If you liked what you heard, I hope you leave behind some kind words for us in a review on your podcast app of choice, like Floral M, who said that our podcast makes driving to work enjoyable, and Ricky Tiki Tavi, who said we're their favorite animal podcast. Thanks, y'all. It really means a lot to us. If you want to hang out with us online, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Links to everything will be in the episode description. You can send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. We'd like to thank Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other wonderful shows like the ones that you heard promos for here today. You can check those out and learn more about the network and how you can be a part of supporting our show over at MaximumFun.org. Finally, we would like to thank Louis Zong for our theme music. That's all for today. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.